Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk Bama football. Yeah, um, and before we get into the 2015 Auburn game, which is something we're going to rehash today, uh, Jimmy, uh, I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to have a football season. And look, it's March. We got a long way to go, but people just think, oh, okay, well, we got till September. No, you don't. You've got, we probably got to about the beginning of July, maybe the middle of June to figure out if we're going to have a season or not. I agree. It's got to be much earlier than it's, it's not, I mean, football is, it's too big. You can't just, you can't just get to July 27th and go, okay, it's on. Uh, You can't do that. And and maybe it will be modified, or, or, or maybe it'll just be fine. I'll I tell you what we all need to, to pray for uh, and already have, and I encourage all of you to do, do so as well. What we need to pray for that would fix this is medical science being uh, may, maybe d- doing the impossible, which, which Americans in particular are famous for doing the impossible, but having a treatment uh, that works uh, approved and rush and just an approved treatment would change everything uh, because we know a vaccine is going to take longer and, and then the vaccine is unlikely to be done before football season certain maybe not even before football season would end so we need medical science to make uh, a rapid advance maybe something the world has never seen but uh but with prayer and i have a lot of uh, you know i mean it as a joke but i have a lot of confidence in nerds uh, nerds have been making the world a better place for thousands of years, uh, and nerds will continue to save us all. And that's what's going to save us: these super smart laboratory guys and girls. Uh, they're they're going to save us all. You watch now. I don't know what the what the timetable will be, but uh, that's what we need to root for because without a treatment, it's not going to go away. This all started in one province in China. We could eradicate it here in the U.S. and in South America and in North America and in Europe. And if there's still one enclave in Asia that has it, it's going to be back. So it's got to be eradicated the world over. That's going to take treatment and vaccine. Well, you know, it goes back to apparently one dude eating a bat. And I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised the way some people are. You're right. Nerds are great. But there are crazy people out there, too. And if you remember when Steve Irwin, Steve Irwin was killed by Stingray, um, everybody went out and started killing Stingrays. I can't believe there hadn't been a math baticide all over the world. Um, right. But the other thing is that you said that nerds have been making the world a better place for thousands of years. And that's true. And isn't it ironic that just like so many uh, TV tropish uh jock slash nerd hero stories we need nerds to save football season (laughs) we do we do it's like revenge of the nerds uh which was about nerds and football players it really is like that so and those nerds save the day uh in the movie and they'll save us again and and again give them time i'm certain in time we'll have a vaccine but we will not have a vaccine in time for football. There's no there, that 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 feels impossible, but uh, 
but a treatment is, is possible. And uh, we'll, we'll see what, what works. Uh, Americans and, and doctors the world over, uh, these, are, these are a lot of really smart people, and we need to uh, give them the resources they need to, uh, to fix this. I saw an interesting tweet. It said um, that my house has become a casino. Like every day is a gamble. Uh, any time I want to drink is not acceptable, and nobody in my house knows what time or day it is. Uh, that is funny. hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, and I'm home a lot. I'm not home all day like a lot of you are, and and uh, but uh, but I am home now. I, I've generally been coming home about one or two o'clock, and if there's an order from the governor that we need to shelter in place, I've got no problem uh, complying. But just uh, while there's not a shelter in place order, uh, it's just extremely helpful if I go to the office for a few hours and uh, I, I do my best to limit or even eradicate personal contact with anyone. But I also so far, heard so far things are good. I also heard a comedian on Dan Levitard yesterday. It was pretty funny. He said that, um, you know, they said, what have you been doing now that you've been quarantined? Cause he's in New York, I think, or LA, one of the two. And, um, he said, well, I've been catching up on my porn. And they said, well, that's, that's great. And he said, yeah, I was watching one earlier today. He said, this is how bad things have gotten. I was watching one earlier today. It had these three beautiful women. It had, uh, two regular dudes, four giants, and one dwarf and everything was about to go down. And all I could think was, man, I hope they wash their hands. <laughs> uh, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, pretty good. Okay. So we have Jimmy, some sports news. Don't we have some sports? News? Well, uh, have we talked about Kyra Lewis and John Petty? I don't think we've talked about Kyra Lewis and John Petty or, are dipping their toes in the NBA pool. You know what's interesting? It's just the thing about mock drafts is you can't take them too seriously. They're not science. Way too many fans look at a mock draft and then start using words like stock. Oh, his stock is up. His stock is down. The stock of a kid or a prospect is in the front offices of NBA teams, not on the desk of a journalist. Okay, these are all guesses by various members of, of, of journalism. So don't take any of this too seriously. But interestingly... I went to about the most well-known mock, to my knowledge, for, for the NBA draft is NBADraft.net, which has been around forever. And uh, it wouldn't be if it was a total joke. It's been around forever. NBA Draft.net did not have Kyra or Petty at all, taken at all in the 2020 draft, not the first or second round. And it had been updated yesterday. So... That's just one opinion. Again, not not not, not if to be the, taken as gospel. I wonder if the fact that I guess they won't have any. I don't. I don't know in basketball if it's called a pro day or a tryout. I guess they won't have any of that stuff. No. I mean, the NBA right draft now, is in what July? Is it in June. July or June? Is it in late June? June. June. They're not going to. I mean, there probably won't be an NBA season. I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, I would be shocked if there were at this point. I mean, I know Mark Cuban came out and said, yeah, I suspect we'll be back by mid-May. How, how the hell are you going to be back by mid-May? Yeah, and, I, I mean, I, how do you I, work I, the playoffs at that point? Is it all just a three-game set? I mean, it's just not going to work. And so I feel like it's we've already lost too much time there. Um, I'd be willing – I'd be kind of shocked at this point if there were a baseball season. Um, so a mayor, Did you see the mayor uh, – I just retweeted this minutes before I came uh, to record this. A mayor of a large uh, city in South America 
they had a big soccer game there before before there was a worldwide shutdown of sports. Yeah, they had a big soccer game there, like the day the day after uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, tested positive. The day after, they had a soccer game with forty thousand people in the stands. The mayor there says it's his belief that every single person in the stadium got the virus. Every, all forty thousand that were in I, the stadium it got the virus. I would and, call him a quack. Uh, two weeks ago, now I think he's right. he's underselling it somehow. Like more people than right. the when the stadium got it. And some people said, as a response to that, because I hadn't thought about it, and it's it's half a joke and half serious. It says, "How many lives did Rudy Gobert save That's by him true. testing positive, which which immediately shut down the NBA, and then every league followed suit? How many more people would have it if we'd continued to have mass gatherings of sporting events? So, oh. yeah." Strange stuff. You know, that would be a great what if Marvel Comics. Did you ever Marvel Comics always had this what if thing? Like right, what if world. Yeah, what if um Spider-Man wasn't bitten by the spider? Instead, it was, you know, some other dude or whatever. At, at Peter Parker wasn't bitten by the spider. And what if Rudy Gobert isn't just a real dumbass about this? Or <laughs> conversely, I think what it the spring breaker may have saved somebody. The, you know, the spring yes. said, if I get Corona, I get Corona. And apparently he got Corona. Um, <laughs> did he, did he really? I mean, I, I know a lot of spring breakers tested positive. Did that specific nut bag? I mean, everybody I have, knows. I have not about. confirmed that he did. I like to think. I don't want to wish it on. I don't want to wish yeah. it on anybody, but that would be delicious. I'm not wishing it, but I can't say that I wouldn't grin like a Cheshire cat if he, if he. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep. Would. Just as a lesson to everyone to be careful. That's what we mean. The, the bottom Just, line, Jimmy, is you can't ever screw with Mother Nature. Now, how we got <laughs> John Petty going pro to Mother Nature, I don't know. Whoever say, or just Lady Luck, none of the fates or none of the gods, would whatever you believe in, if it's Greek, I don't give a shit, you know, whatever it is, you can't screw with it. Don't say shit can't get worse because you know what will happen? Oh, I got leprosy in my groin and my, all of my scrotum fell off. That's what will happen. <laughs> I know, uh, uh, I now personally know two people that are positive, and uh, we're pretty early in this thing. From yep, are they in Mobile? Yes. Oh God! I personally know two people. Alabama had its first death. They Um, are both. They are both. They are both hospitalized, and one is in critical condition. Jesus, man, Mm -hmm. and. Again, I guess when we were saying earlier, you remember we said we don't know if we're underestimating or overestimating. Well, we're we're we underestimated. This thing's worse than we thought because I never could wrap my brain around this is as bad as we think because we live in these 24-hour news cycles where you just hear it over and over again and when we first got the 24-hour news cycle, we were like, "Oh my god, you know, they're saying this over and over again. It's got to be awful." And then it was like crying wolf with every little minute little thing. And so now we don't buy into it. You know, we're sort of like, yeah, yeah it's not going to be that bad. And it is that bad. And then for, look, I, I know I'm not, I'm not getting political. And again, how we got from John Petty and Carol Lewis to this, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't want to be political, but I'm going to say it out loud that our president should not say things like, Hey, we hope to have this done by Easter. First of all, if you're going to hope, Hope you have it done in the next five minutes. And if that's not it, then don't say anything. Because 
relaxing a little bit and we don't need anybody relaxing. That's exactly right. I mean, that's exactly Agreed? right. I mean, oh, no, no question. No, I'm not, and, I'm and not I, I like Dr. Fauci. Making who's, a political statement, a, by the way. No, no. I like Dr. Fauci a lot, who's, who's become a national celebrity out of this. He's one, uh, one of the president's right-hand men, men on this. He's the, the uh, president of the National Institute for, for Allergies and Viruses in the, in the U.S., and, and he seems incredibly bright. He has a calming voice. He is super smart about all this, and he told – he did a great interview today. I didn't see it, but I read quotes. Uh, he, he agreed to do an interview with Steph Curry as they thought of a way to really reach young people. It's Steph Curry interviewed him today uh and 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 it was on instagram live as as just a way to reach young people and this is what fauci said that i couldn't agree with more he said what bothers him is the two groups of people the end of the world let's panic let's panic ourselves into thinking this is apocalyptic which it's not and he says and then equally the this is no big deal this isn't serious this is just the flu So those two groups, those two groups are making what's happening infinitely worse. And that's what upsets them is in equal and equally, you know, you can't be, we're going to knock this out by Easter. That's, that's absurd. That's just so not reality. Uh, But you also shouldn't be selling everything you own, moving into a cave, buying automatic weapons, uh, hoarding medical supplies that's needed by the medical community. It's not and don't move the apocalypse. Because that's where the bats are. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jimmy, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into this Auburn 2015 game. Okay. Very quickly, before we talk about the Iron Bowl 2015, um, yes, Kyra and John Petty have um, declared – here's what we were, the point we were trying to get to was because of this virus, there might be a chance. There's a, I think there's a better chance they come back now because they may not be able to work out. And I think there's some limitations to both of them. For instance, with Kyra being as young as he is, um, people may say, you know, we're kind of worried about a few things, your maturity, your strength, and we can't really work you out. So we don't know. We have to go off just the tape. Um, and then with Petty, hey, yeah, you can get hot, certainly. And you have leaping ability. Um, you're pretty strong. You've gotten to be a much better defender. But your handles are just not good. And we can't – all we have to judge on is what we've seen on film. You can't show us that you've improved your handles because we can't get near you. Right. Well, I mean, they're going to have to rely on smart smart people. I hope they do. And here's the thing. It it only makes sense to me. It only makes sense for either one of them to fully enter the draft if they have a high degree of confidence based on knowledge from the people that count that they are going in the first round of the NBA draft. Uh, It's not smart to leave Alabama going, well, you know, if they draft me in the second round, that's fine. No, that's not fine. That's a non-guaranteed contract, and over half of second-round picks do not make the roster. Over half. So if you're drafting the second round, there is a better than 50% chance that you're going to be in the G League making no money or headed to Europe, and your college career and your chance to move up in the draft is now over. So I've got no problem if Kyra or Petty have a high confidence from great 
from great fountains of knowledge that they will be first round picks. That is very hard to believe about John Petty. And I'm not certain it's true about Kyra, though I don't rule it out because he has a couple of tools that cannot be coached. His quickness to the hole has NBA written all over it. You're born that way. You're not coached to be that way. And the NBA is all about what you're born with. And the thing about Kyra, and and I said this in a negative way, like he's so young and they may not know these, this and that. But, you know, the NBA has been sort of, hey, we want to get them as young as we can get them and mold them into what we want. I mean, they right. kind of like them younger. And so, yeah, I think Kyra's age is a two-edged, it's a two-edged thing. It's a positive and a negative. It's a negative in the sense that how many 19-year-olds are ready to be multimillionaire pro athletes in terms of emotional maturity? Uh, the answer to that is almost none of them. And that can be disastrous and, and have nothing to do with, with playing basketball. But it's a positive in All the right. sense that we haven't seen how good Kyra can be. No one's seen how good he can be, and that's why the NBA will, will, will like his age. All right, so let's talk uh, about this 2015 Auburn game where Alabama comes in. Obviously, they have the loss earlier in the season to Ole Miss. Um, man, that's a game we ought to do just to – I mean, just in case we're in a good mood and we want to get pissed, I mean, <laughs> we ought to do that. Um, but, you know, I think that um, – at this Iron Bowl was was just like all Iron Bowls to me, especially those in Auburn. I hate the Iron Bowl. I don't enjoy it. It's never fun. Um, even in 2012, we're up 42, nothing at the half. And I'm like, it would just be just like these sons of bitches to make a comeback. And um, I, I can't really wrap ever wrap my arms around an Iron Bowl and say I just love it because it's, it's so stressful to me. And this game was just that way. Uh, the first half, I'm, we can sort of – gloss over it it kind of sucked the first half was just <laughs> blah, wasn't it uh not a lot happened uh considering <clears throat> i mean the thing to me is I, I didn't think we played that great except for a couple of players uh I, I didn't think we played that great which is unfortunate considering you know it, it should be one of the biggest games of the year auburn was only six and five alabama was you know ten and one and in a position to make the playoff and and, and be, become a legitimate contender to win the national championship. And I didn't think Alabama played that great offensively. I think they played pretty good on defense, but how could you not? That Auburn offense, and that to me was why the game was like, <laughs> Auburn's, how we allowed them to score 13 points. I'm, and it was only 13, but I'm still like, I mean, they had one big play, uh, you know, in the passing game to the Smith kid. And and Jeremy Johnson was their quarterback. When Jeremy Johnson and and I, I just didn't see a lot of talent offensively on that field at all for Auburn. And even scoring thirteen was kind of questionable. But we did hold them to less than two hundred fifty yards offense. And and Auburn at no point in the game was a threat to win the game because they weren't good on offense and we were playing good enough on defense to quell any thought of a rebellion. I guess what I wasn't crazy about Luke was. I think offensively in the first half, that was just not really good. We, we didn't look like a national champion in the first half. We did in the second half, thanks to the freaking superhero we had playing running back and the guy that I am going to, I am going to, in an unpopular way, say the MVP of the game for me was Adam Griffith. Now, I know that Derrick Henry's a real MVP, rushed 46 times for like 250 yards 
uh, against a pretty good SEC defense. But so really, it's Derek. But I just want to give special shout outs to Adam Griffith. That place could have been a house of horrors for him, thanks to the kick six, which he played a central role in. And it was our first trip back. And it would have been understandable for our Polish orphan to have bats in the belfry just walking into that stadium. And instead, what did he do? Five for five. And almost all of them were from long distance, too. He, he crushed them five for five in a game only decided by 16 points. So Adam Griffith was a flat-out hero in that game, along with, of course, the Avenger Derrick Henry. No, and he was, and we can talk about Derrick Henry in the second half of this thing, but you're right. If, and I would say that game, though it was, for the most part, relatively boring, um, the, the thing about that game is it was symbolic of Alabama's year uh, for, from Ole Miss on in the sense that there was a the whole season was about redemption to me. Um, in 14, obviously, we don't play well against Ohio State, and we lose, and so we you know, got a little bit of sour taste in our mouth. Then you have Jacob Coker who comes in. Uh, he was supposed to win the job over Blake Sims the previous year. He doesn't do it. Then he finally wins the job, d- despite the fact that Lane Given didn't want him to win the job. And he wins the first two games. Uh, we go against Ole Miss. He's the mystery non-starter. And uh, then he comes in and almost saves the day. He can't quite do it, but he almost does it. And then the rest of the season, he doesn't lose another game. That's that's some redemption right there. I think that um, for Derrick Henry, a guy who also uh, – he was there on the team for kick. wouldn't get um at keys in fact i don't think he touched the ball the whole game i don't think he played in that game i think he was on the field he just didn't touch the I ball think he played either i remember what wasn't the what the the universal complaint was that Kenyon drake didn't get enough touches in 2013 not derrick henry who who in retrospect exactly he probably should have carried the ball 46 times in 2013 well think about how asinine it is now that we let T.J. Yeldon, who's a very good running back, run a fourth and one late in the ball game to seal the deal instead of Derrick Henry. I mean, that yeah. seemed crazy now. Although I gotta say, T.J. Yeldon did get us a big third down in the SEC championship game in 2012, but that's neither here nor there. Um, point being, Derrick Henry had somewhat of a, a redemption day, you know, from going to not touching the ball to touching it 46 times and getting uh, Iron Bowl record 271 yards. That's a big deal. Um, Jake Coker, obviously, I've already mentioned getting all of his redemption, certainly. And and uh, how about the uh, the Alabama defense getting a sense of redemption in the sense that the previous year they gave up 44 points to this Auburn team. But the, the story of it all is Adam Griffith. You're absolutely right. And in fact, on one of his kicks, Auburn put a man deep in the end zone as if to because it didn't look like he was going to be short. Um, I mean, I don't think it was quite as long as the kick six kick was, but I think they did it to kind of screw with his mind and he did not let it affect him. And man, I give that kid so much credit for that. That w- that took a lot of cojones. Um, so yeah, I think he was sort of symbolic of the rest of the, the entire year really. And, and really for 
uh, you talk about redemption, Saban having some redemption. I mean, he lost the last time in Auburn. Uh, he, he lost the last national championship or lost the first game in the playoffs. You know, people are wondering if, if he had fallen off a little bit. Well, he, you know, that year he ends up winning a national championship. So um, just a, it was a, a great moment. I'm anytime you win at Auburn specifically, it's fun. Uh, and it, 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 it's not ever as fun as it probably should be, but uh, looking back on it now and being in the, in the stands to watch Derrick Henry go for 271 yards and to watch Adam Griffith go five for five, it, it was special. You know, one thing, you know, we, we talked about how we didn't play that great in the first half, particularly on offense, which is true, which leads me to a little bit of a half rant. I'm in too good of a mood to have a full rant, but a little bit of a half rant. You know, when, when a season starts and, and there will be games in September and October and even November, there will be games, there will be quarters, there will be halves where the team just doesn't play that great. And you will hear online and on the Twitters these rants about how bad we are and about how the team – I mean, and we're just talking about stretches of one game. What, what world do these people live in where even – what national championship team – I'm talking about national champions. I'm talking about – the elite of the elite, the best team out of 130, the best team in the SEC, the best team in the Power Five, the elite of the elite. What one of those teams has played like a national champion for 60 minutes of every game they play all season long? No one. No one ever. No one ever. Yet that apparently is the standard that uh, fans hold them to, to look like the national champion every minute of every game. No one's ever done that in history. Why are you putting it on these guys? I'm just saying. You, you can't. These are kids. These are kids. Not even NFL. How many? How many Super Bowl winning professional adult teams are great every Sunday? None. None. The Giants won the Super Bowl one year. They went nine and seven. You know, during the regular season. So let's just stop demanding, demanding perfection. It's just not going to happen. We didn't look like the national champions in the first half of this game at Auburn. But you know what we were? National champions. All right, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take our second break here. When we get back, we'll continue on with the 2015 Iron Bowl. Okay, you know, in you're speaking about uh, the perfection and all that. I can say some of that's probably attributed to the fact that Nick Saban always says play every play like it's right. the last play or whatever. Um, and so <laughs> some of that's on him. But the thing is, we all know that's completely unattainable. But right. it's – anyway, I know what you're saying, and I think you're right, but I can say some of that culture has been made up by Nick Saban. The funny thing is the people who adhere to that culture 100% in terms of, hey, Nick Saban said y'all should play every play like it's your last. And so, yeah, that's what we expect out of you. Nachos self. So, you know, I'm not even eating these nachos like this is my last day on earth. Um it's just funny to me but, that these these people come on and rant, and I do too. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not taking some culpability here. I get upset when we don't play well, and I, every now and then I heck I rant on here all the time. Although it's rarely about one of our players and about how they play, but yeah, I get upset too when so so and so drops a ball or misses a block or misses a tackle, and and I can get upset too. I'm talking about the over the top stuff. The over the top <laughs> stuff is what I'm talking okay. about, and I'm like. And the, the, this person that is uh, demanding total perfection from our 19-year-old kids that work their ass off and go to school and pass college courses while still 
working their ass off to become a great SEC football player, and they're getting criticized by, I, I don't know, the 13th best assistant plumber in op. Yeah. You know, that's what's kind of like, <laughs> what? what? So, so you're perfect at your job every minute of every day? And, and and instead you're taking it out on the 19 year olds. That just gets a little frustrating for me. And, but uh, I'm, I'm just sort of a, you know, I'm just sort of the supportive type. I just want to support all our kids you think until I get mad that they fumble. You think there's a plumber with his business card in op that says, I'm the 13th best. <laughs> I'm the 13th best. I'm the 13th best. Toward the rivals. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm a, so, I'm, I am a good plumber, but I am a three star. Here's the the uh, the play that Jake Coker made where he juked out uh, Byron Coward, I think it was, one of the guys. Um, and then he throws it off one foot uh, in the back of the end zone. Ardarius Stewart makes a great catch for a touchdown. And, and, and Ardarius had missed an e- pretty easy catch earlier in the The drop. Yeah. Um, but regardless, he makes this catch. We go up. Everything's looking great. Auburn gets the ball back. It's third and 13. Their quarterback is Jeremy Johnson, who is just awful. And he throws a wounded duck that Jason Smith from down in your area tapped up. And and Ricardo Lewis is it to the house. It should have been picked. Instead, I mean, just like the Georgia Miracle. So Auburn. It's so So Auburn. Auburn. And it's the only good play they made. That's the I, only I, thing I, I, I can't even recall. I just watched it. I can't even recall what what's their second biggest offense. Now they did, you know, they scored 13 points. Daniel Carlson, they scored a touchdown. Daniel Carlson made two kicks, uh, and he missed a third, by the way, which why Adam Griffith was the better kicker that day uh, than Daniel Carlson, who's just a fantastic kicker and is now a pro kicker. That's a hard job to get, by the way. There's only 32 NFL place kickers in the world, and he's one of them. So uh but Adam Griffith was better that day. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very Auburn <laughs> play. And it's kind of hard to come up with. I mean, did Robinson have a, a, a run that you were like, wow, what a play? Not really. I mean, Auburn only rushed for 90 yards on 30 carries. Yeah, I kind of forgot he was on the team. I mean, there's nobody on that team yeah. that seemed very good. I mean, no. you think about they remember you know who they had that was kind of funny late in the late in the contest. Um, they're not truly making a comeback because Derrick Henry busted one for a touchdown that kept his touchdown streak going, which was kind of cool. Um, but uh, and it also put him up to uh, 271 yards. But um, what uh, what was kind of cool was Melvin Ray had a big drop yeah. late. Did you? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. okay, y'all kind of uh, deserve that. <laughs> it wasn't a good Auburn team. That's why I'd say overall we didn't play great. But I'll tell you one trait of this has been frustrating. It's not so much now. The Tua era solved this. And maybe the answer all along was, I know how to solve this. Put a quarterback like Tua on the team. But this was a game almost typical of of a lot of the Saban era where offensively we played good and the numbers were good and we had great production out of the run game and the quarterback was efficient, but we only won by like six or 17 points when we sort of statistically crushed them you know statistically in this game we had something like 480 yards to 240 yeah i mean derrick hint derrick henry rushed for over 250 yards we had 36 minutes time of possession our kicker was five for five we didn't turn the ball over on offense and 
how did we only win the game by 16 points? Because we kind of beat the shit out of them. And I think we saw that a lot during the Saban era until a cat named Tua showed up. And then every drive was a touchdown for, for, for two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. In the other Saban game, think about if Tua is on the 2013 team. I mean, oh my just – uh, just, just think about that. I mean, he's we're slinging it all over the field. Yeah, Auburn's going to get their points, but they're never going to stop us. They saw would more, never stop us. I saw more posts this week on uh, TI where various people were opining that uh, Bryce Young's better than Tua at the same age. What, what are y'all talking about? I mean, I, 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 I know what it's like comparing players at the same stage. I mean, and it's hard to do. You have to kind of follow football real close, watch a lot of recruiting tape and have a pretty good memory about it uh <laughs> bryce young is an excellent five-star quarterback and i have no qualms about where he was ranked nationally or the fact that he's five stars but to say that bryce young is a better prospect than tua at the same stage that is so unfair to bryce it's it not really accurate it's it's arguable but if you put his 12th grade tape and Tua's 12th grade tape and showed it to the five best quarterback experts in the country, there's going to be a 3-2 vote there in, in favor of somebody. It ain't it ain't Bryce by a mile. I'm not sure it's Bryce at all. Um, Tua was a really, really good five. Tua was a unanimous five-star quarterback that won the Elite 11. I mean, you, you can't get you can't be a better prospect than that. Then he showed up in the spring and was great. He showed in the spring that he could easily be the starting quarterback in the fall. Alabama just had a returning experience, good quarterback, and that's why he wasn't. But Tua showed the first spring he was there that he could have been the starting quarterback that fall. Now, he wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been the Tua we saw in 2019, but he still would have been a damn good Tua all throughout 2017. And, and here's – now, I think Bryce is going to end up being the starter. But here's why I think Tua is better out of the gate. I think Bryce Young has as much potential as anybody, and I love the kid. But Bryce Young does rely a little bit more, it seems, on instinct and um, and athleticism, whereas Tua is just – I mean, now Bryce is precise too, but Tua was deadly accurate. And Tua seemed to know where everybody was going to be at all times. Bryce sort of makes some things happen. I'm not saying one way's wrong and one way's right. I'm saying I think Tua's translates to uh, early success more. That being said, I still think Bryce is going to win the job, and I think he could lead us to a national championship easily. I'm not going to be surprised one bit if Bryce Young is our starting quarterback in his first year and beats out Mac Jones. I'm not going to be surprised at all. I'll just say that because of recency bias, people don't remember or will refuse to agree that if Tua had started the very first game of his true freshman season, there would have been some bumpy roads. There would have been some bumpy roads. Tua did not look perfect in every single garbage time opportunity either. When he was coming into play, and he was playing quite a bit, people don't remember this because they say, oh, Tua should have been playing and not Jalen. Tua threw more passes as our backup quarterback in 2017 than any quarterback in the whole Saban era. I mean, Tua threw the ball a lot, more than any other backup ever has at Alabama. So he, mm-hmm. he was throwing it around. But those September games, he, he flashed moments, like the Vandy game in particular. He flashed like, holy crap, this kid is going to be good. But then there was also a pick six, you know, against Tennessee, if I remember yeah. right. 
and it is. and 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 there, there were some bumpy moments it wouldn't have been smooth sailing like i say to people all the time peyton manning might be the best quarterback of all time <laughs> in the history of football peyton might be the best uh he, he had sort of a rough true freshman season himself mm-hmm. all right jimmy well that should do it for this episode we hope everybody has a safe corona free weekend that's how we're going to start ending every podcast stay corona free everybody i may not be corona free but i may be virus free i hope well, let me ask you this do you think the people at corona are like what the hell man yeah they're like broke what can it called what can it be called milwaukee's best virus <laughs> <laughs> they're like broke is what they are they're the oh. ones really pushing they're the ones really pushing Trump to call it the Chinese virus and the Wahoo <laughs> virus or whatever the hell Trump comes up with. That was all Corona telling please the good people at Corona. And it's such a shame. It is such a shame that our pop that a certain percentage of our population is that stupid. That would that would stop drinking Corona beer over fears of the coronavirus. If you are really that dumb, p- p- please do us all a favor and don't procreate. Please. Yeah, I mean, but look, even if they're that dumb, the 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 way the way you get to procreating is kind of fun. They know what fun is, so they're not going to stop. <laughs> that they know. That they know. What's that saying that uh uh the intelli- the, the, the the most intelligent people are, are full of doubts and and the dumbest people are full of confidence. That, that that's saying? your yeah. That's a saying. I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't do it right. Imagine that. But yeah, uh, that is a saying. And the Corona people uh, that are the, the I won't drink Corona beer people uh, until the virus is over. They are definitely in the full of confidence category. Every, you know, when I always think about people screwing up sayings, I think about uh, my first wife. And yeah, I mean, that's how I, I got to distinguish them, I guess. Um, she, we were riding in the car and she said something like, yeah, it's just like it's just like Socrates said. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. I said, no, no, Uncle Ben, <laughs> Peter Parker's uncle. Said, nah. it Socrates, and don't ben. I'm stopping you now from embarrassing yourself. <laughs> uncle Ben with Socrates. <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I brought it up in the divorce proceeding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll well, end on that. We'll end on that note and call it a week and be back on Monday. We'll be back Monday, everybody. Hope you have a good weekend and roll tight. And I hope on Monday uh, we'll spend the whole hour talking about what a what a great player Josh Primo is going to be at Alabama. I hope that's what we're talking about Monday. That's a good call. By the way, what game you want to do Monday? We just did 2015. Uh, how about the 2015 national championship game? Oh, oh yeah, I could watch that all day. Okay, yeah, let's great. do it. Yep. All righty. All right, buddy. Roll tide. Roll tide.